Hey everybody, and welcome to 63 of the 100 Foot Jesus Podcast. We are late this week, uh, quite a bit going on around here. We say that a lot because, guys, we're just busy folks. That's just kind of how it works. Uh, Today's episode, we are going to talk about the gospel. The gospel is an important thing to know as a believer. Important thing, here's what I want you guys to do. Um, go to, like, if you're a dad, go to your kids and say, what is the gospel? If you're a pastor, go to your, your inner circle of people and say, what is the gospel? If, uh, if, if you have a Bible teacher, ask him or her, what is the gospel? The answer we give is going to matter a whole lot. The gospel is, uh, what Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, what is of first importance. Like, it's a really big deal what the gospel actually is. The things the gospel isn't, it's not like a type of music, although it's fun. We all know what kind of what we just consider gospel music, like, you know, on an award show, you know, if it, like you have the guy and he's like, yeah, I got my cool song, but now I got people in robes and they're going to clap and that makes it gospel. You know, gospel isn't just a style of music. Gospel is the good news. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. We're, by the way, we are going to get um, through, we're going to start with verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to get into something that's going to offend a lot of people. It's a doctrine that is not comfortable to teach, but you'll never understand the gospel if you don't understand it. But let's, let's, let's lay out how Paul describes the gospel. Then we're going to pull back into something that is, well, uncomfortable, but let's go for it. Uh, It says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. So he starts with verse 1, and he says, Okay, now I'm going to remind you of the gospel, and by which you are being saved. And if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he says, there's the gospel I preached to you. It's what saves you. The gospel is what saves you. What is it, though? Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for us, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, each time in accordance with the Scripture. Remember that. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelfth. Then he appeared to more than 5,000, or 500, sorry, brothers at a time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And he talks about different people they have appeared to. Um, Then let's go down to verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not but the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or they, so we preached so that you believe. So he says, what is the gospel? He says, the gospel is this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We knew he was going to, according to what we call the Old Testament, he died for our sins and he was buried. He was raised on the third day. The gospel, guys, is what we call the great exchange, meaning you were a sinner and Christ died for you. 
Um, let's see how it, the gospel is spelled out in Romans 5 before we really get into some stuff here. Um, okay, Romans 5, let's go to verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by our faith, not by our works. You can't be awesome enough. God says, you're my son. You're my daughter. I adopt you. Here's my inheritance. You can't earn this. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand, and we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Into this grace, grace is freely given. Remember that. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So the hope is in us, it's the Holy Spirit, and this hope is the love of God. Verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare to die. But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were a sinner, he died for you. Therefore, we have now been justified by his blood and much more saved by him through the wrath of God. God has a wrath. Verse 10, let's get into this. God has a wrath. He gave us grace. He justified us through faith. So how does God, how are we described though by God? He says, but while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He says we were his enemy. We were his enemy. That is tough. Few years back, uh, I'd say about eight years back, Mark Driscoll made waves. Manny did a lot back then, though, didn't he? Um, he he had a sermon where he said, "God hates you." David Platt then kind of apologized for his Acts twenty nine reformed brother and for saying God hates you, but he said, "But God hates you." Does God hate us? That's an interesting thing. There's a popular phrase we use within Christendom is we say, love the sinner, hate the sin. Or God loves the sinner, God hates the sin. So he loves us, but he hates what we're doing. That's an interesting thought. So the actions you hate, but the person you love. We can kind of understand that. If God's in this, I love you no matter what relationship with us. Then, I mean, we can relate. If you have a friend that's ever been an addict and you try your best to get them to change 
and they'll lie to you. They'll steal from you. They'll keep hurting themselves and everyone around you. They'll, they'll hurt people you love. You love them, but you hate their addiction. And eventually it seeps into you hate them. You don't want to say it out loud, but man, you kind of hate them a little bit, don't you? It kind of happens. The Psalms speak a lot of God's character towards sinners. Uh, uh, let's go to Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate evil doers. Okay, let's start. This is Psalm 5, 5. Is it an isolated verse that says God hates evil doers? The actual word here would be God hates sinners. Does God hate sinners? Man, that's, that's a tough thing to consider. Does God hate sinners? Well, an interesting thing to look through. In um, the first 40 Psalms, there are 14 references, 14 different verses. Within the proper context, in my opinion, you could disagree, and I would love for you to study this yourself, that has reference to God hating sinners. Romans 5, when it lays out what the gospel is, it says we were enemies of God. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of him, he died for us. First Corinthians said he died for our sins. I remember when I was um, early on in loving Jesus and I was coming to Christ and I was get sin was losing all of its loveliness. And I remember, but I thought, you know what, though, it's okay that I, you know, that I want to love pornography. It's okay that I want to do stuff that I'm not supposed to with my girlfriend. It's okay that I want to watch TV shows that I don't want to. It's okay that I don't have a desire to know God more, but instead I'm just going to kind of rest in what I kind of know about him. And then I saw this sign or a t-shirt that said it had a picture of Jesus on the cross. And it said, if I'm okay and you're okay, then why did this happen? An old hymn says, it was my sin who put him there. Does God hate sinners? If God has ultimate love, does God get to have wrath? I think it's pretty clear. If you're a believer, I don't care if you're Calvinist, I don't care if you're an Armenian, I don't care if you're whatever. I'm pretty sure you're going to agree that God has a wrath. Now, the wrath got settled on the cross, did it not? But does God, like, if I am, Scripture's telling me that before I come to Christ, I'm his enemy. Is that true? Does that match up with what you know of God, that you can be his enemy? The answer is absolutely. But then, how does God interact with enemies? Well, let's look at how Jesus tells us to interact with enemies. He says, well, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Um... It talks about people who persecute you. It says you, you give them kindness, like, a, like putting a hot coal on their head. Basically, it controls everything they're doing, and boom, there's nothing they can do. The gospel tells us this, and Annie Minio put it this way. <laughs> he, sa he said this, 
The gospel is the story of the hero dying for the villains. In the story of the gospel, folks, in the story of the gospel, you're not the hero. God is. You're not the, you don't swoop in and save the day. God does. You ruin the day. You are the villain in the story of the gospel. What's amazing about grace is that over and over again, you have to use it. Over and over again, repetition. What's amazing about grace is you keep sinning. You keep betraying God. You keep doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. And we, we earn the title of enemy. We earn the title of sinner that God would hate. Hell is a real place. Do we all agree on that? Hell is a real place. It is eternal. We will be sent there. That, that's a real thing. So therefore, how does this match up? Is the gospel that beautiful though? Because if, the, because if, if God, if God would die for those that he hates, how major does that make the gospel? How, how miraculous does it make it that he hangs on the cross seeing us at our worst and says, I'm dying for that. I love that. I want to be with that. He says, what is of first importance is that Christ died for our sins. The apostle Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners. He says, man, no one can out me. And yet, you know that in, the, that in the front of his mind, he is overran with the love of God. When you intimately know somebody, it is so easy to hate them, isn't it? Think of a marriage. You go through times where you're like, gosh, I hate this person's face, right? You go through that with your children, with, with your best friends, with your coworkers. If you spend enough time and see someone's stuff, you're like, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I can't stand this person. That's why we get obsessed over other people's sins, of other people's political views, of other, other people's views on everything else. Like we get obsessing over it all the time because we're like, I can't believe you're that bad because we see so much of us in them maybe. But also it's just like, I can't believe you're doing that to God. Like why are you constantly you know, breaking God's heart, as we would say. Why are you constantly betraying God? Why are you constantly saying, I'm a Christian, but you don't live that way? That bothers you. And that's just our little snippet. Because we don't know people's behind the scenes. We know their highlight reels, and we see their highlight reels, and we hate them. They trigger us, and we can't coexist with these people. And then you have God who sees all of our sin, past, present, and oh, goodness gracious, future. And yet it says that in first importance, Christ died for sinners. That's the gospel he preaches to us. The gospel that you obey, guys, is this. You are a sinner, but he calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you saint. He loves you enough to die for you. He puts his spirit in you to guide you to do better. He gives you scriptures, 66 books that we should be obsessively knowing because it's the good news. It is the good news. Right? Romans 6.26 tells us that the gift of God, the wages of sin is death. What we earn is hell, but the gift of God is eternal life. You, you work a 40-hour week, you get paid for 40 hours. That's what you earn. So 
your life, all the great righteousness as awesome as you think you are, will earn you hell. That sounds harsh. That's true. But then God will give a gift, and the gift of God is eternal life. That's a pretty major thing to think about. That's a pretty major thing to even consider for just a second to think, wait a minute. So you're, what you're saying here is that it's good news. Guys, I would argue that the best news we have is God hates sinners. That's good news. Because what it means is, is that he dies for them. He loves them. It's not, by the way, that he hates their very existence. Although the flood could tell you he ain't cool with with just, just looking upon sin. He can't. That's what Psalm 5 tells us. He can't look upon sin. But what it tells us is, but he loves us. He says, he says in verse 4 in Psalm 5, evil may not dwell with you. Meaning, man, I don't want to be around evil. So he constantly tells us how to be better. He's not a fan of sin. God does not like sin. He wants to wipe it out. But he constantly loves you more and more and more. The power of the gospel is, is that we're not good. And he is. That's the power of the gospel. That's the good news. You want to sit there and say, man, I can't measure up to God's love. I can't, I can never live that life. Well, of course you can't. That's what the gospel's for. As a Christian, if you're a, if you constantly sin, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you self-aware that I'm not the bar. Your brother's not the bar. The bar is God. The bar is the life Jesus lived. Well, guys, that's this week's episode of 100 Foot Jesus Podcast. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. This is more a theology-heavy episode, but I think it's very important to understand that, that God's wrath makes his love so much greater. Well, have a great week and Merry Christmas season, everybody.